Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily. Today is February 11th, 2024. This is Season 3, Episode 42. We're going to be talking about Superb Owl Weekend. Cat ports. Shark has some explaining to do. Things you won't see from Superb Owl. Mardi Gras beads are a plastic nightmare. Virginia gave people money. Inside the Vegas Sphere. 3D printed meat, more on the horizon, uh, not that kind of horizon, and plastic trash into chemistry treasure, that and more. Hello, hello, I am Merwatt, that's hometown.com, and up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI that keeps Merwatt out of trouble. You want to say hi from on high? Good evening, hometown citizens. Oh, it did that thing again where it chopped you down and uh, ramped you back up. So you might want to check your audio. It's okay. Let's keep going, though. Um, we've got all 10 articles. I already gave you the intro as to what we're going to be talking about. Right after this show, we're going to immediately jump into the continuity report to get uh, ready. We're going to do it. We're doing the shows early because it's Super Bowl weekend. And, uh, well, I guess everybody wants to watch the Super Bowl. I don't understand why. Hello, possum. Wow. You came in like a, like a shot. You just popped in here. How I looked away and I looked back at chat and then bam, possum is there. <laughs> pretty sneaky <laughs> yeah yeah now your audio is working again thank you um so yeah good to see you possum glad you're here it's a super bowl sunday and everybody is running off to watch the game at 6 30 eastern so we're gonna try and do this let's see what we can do the first article is over in hometown daily superb owl weekend has arrived I love this because this is actually a meme over on Reddit, the superb owl, because you're not allowed to talk about the, well, we refer to it as super bowel now because superb owl is also seemingly being used all over the place. But for some reason, the night that the audience doesn't really dig super bowel discussions. <laughs> It's not as compelling as Super Bowl. I just don't see why. Yeah. So uh, it's Superb Owl Weekend. If you're a typo prone football fanatic, this one's for you. As fans search for Super Bowl news, many will mistakenly type in Superb Owl. <laughs> it makes uh, uh, to make the mistake worth their while. Here are some owls that are indeed superb. So the article, oh, and uh, before I get too far into the show, doink, doink, there you go. So the article's over at Business Insider. Katie Belovich is their, Belovic is the author. There is a superb owl, a tawny owl in Usedom, Germany. Um, yeah, man, that owl has like, Blacker than black eyes. They are like a doll's gonna eyes. Look through you. <laughs> we're we're going to need a bigger boat. Wow. So uh, Business Insider decided to put together some superb owls. 
in the mad rush to check scores between San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs during the superb owl or super bowl this weekend. Some of us clumsy typists may find ourselves here. <laughs> We've been posting superb owl all over hometown. Exactly. There's a snowy and superb snowy owl in Cypress, California. That's really beautiful. I've never seen one of those markings. It's pretty. Got to go out there to California. You know, and now I really have motivation to go uh, back to California. Hmm. Yeah. How about a superb jailbreaker? This is the one that was in New York. A Eurasian eagle owl that got away oh, yeah. from the zoo. We talked about this uh, last Look year. Look at its fantastic eyebrows. Yeah. Those <laughs> are the kind of eyebrows everybody loves. You, you just kind of stare at them like, wow. Those are some That was the one that went shopping, right? <laughs> um, it was sitting at Central Park Zoo. And then I think um, at one point it was hanging out by the shops. Yeah. There you go. How about a superbly focused owl? A great horned owl sits in a tree in Massapequa, New York. Why does it look like it has um, like sawdust sitting on top of it? Oh, I thought it looked like it had bear ears or something because it has kind of fuzzy tufts on the top of it. <laughs> it looks like, oh yeah, like a fuzzy bear, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like a teddy bear or something. Bear ears. The way that you said that, I thought I heard you say barriers. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, Fuzzy Wuzzy was a great horned owl sitting on a tree in Massapequa, New York. I'm not going to go through all of these. Here's a superb brown hawk that looks like it's pissed off at me for just scrolling through this page. Gurugram, uh, India is where it's found. It looks irritated. Like, look, dude, I'm sorry. You're on a website. You know what? Because of you, I'm moving on. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily. The U S uh, Navy used to issue passports to cats. I've actually seen this, uh, or some embodiment of it beforehand. Let's see. Possum says making news article like this to both take advantage of an existing meme online and try to gain clicks from typos is an interesting way to get traffic on your website. Yeah. Right. Business insider is pretty prolific. Um, so uh, maybe it's just hometown that's doing no, actually hometown is just, <laughs> no, I think a lot. <laughs> uh, hometown is just using the headlines. Like we just duplicate the headlines in, into, uh, hometown, but yeah, that's pretty funny. You know, people are finding it though. So I, I totally buy into it. Um, it's interesting and making it fun at the same time. Yeah. Superb talent. Well, and if you love owls, there's lots of owl, uh, nonprofit organizations. If you feel like donating, there was another article that talked about that. I saw somewhere. Oh yeah. All over the place. So, um, yeah. So the U S Navy used to issue passports to cats and I've actually seen a cat passport in the past. Um, find it interesting that it pops up in today's show, but that's okay. Cause I swear I just recently saw something about it. Um, but the, uh, it's an article in, uh, Snopes, the U S Navy used to issue passports to cats. The ship's cat was a longstanding tradition in navies around the world. Jack Izzo over at Snopes did the due diligence. I guess they're <laughs> swearing in a cat. Although 
This I don't guy, know, it looks like it's grooming, though. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> or maybe it's doing that, it, it, like, grooming-like behavior, but it's been trained to oh, set right. up. Yes. But this person looks like they're, they look like Tesla, you know? That kind of, I don't <laughs> know why, it just well, that era. made me think about, yeah. So mariners worldwide are renowned for their tall tall tales. Never trust a sailor on dry land, says the old adage. So the next time you find yourself chatting with a grizzled seafarer and he tells you about a fish the size of a boat or a squall, a hundred foot waves, you might be sub, sub, eh, suspicious. But if the sailor mentions that his best friend on board was a cat, you can rest a little easier knowing that at least one of his stories is likely true. Although having a water reverse cat on a ship might initially feel counterintuitive, it turns out feline mariners have a long and illustrious history. So I guess they've been around for quite a while. Scott Christensen, the director of communications at U.S. Naval Institute and author of the book Cats in the Navy. I started to sing the song in the Navy. Oh, I was thinking like cats in space or something. Wasn't. Was that? It was uh, like an SNL skit, I think. Cats in Space? Something like that. Oh, where they had laser eyes and stuff like that? Told Snopes in a, snow, uh, in a phone interview that cats on boats are even depicted on murals in ancient Egyptian tombs. Can you spot the cat? Where's the cat? Mm, no. Is that it? Oh, yeah, I guess that is it. I guess that's the face. Oh, it's eating a bird. It's grabbing a crane or something. And there's something else mixed in. I don't know. It's, uh, But that right there, I think, is the cat's head right there. And there's another bird right there. So, yeah, it's grabbing the wing. Okay. Hey, focus, Marwat, focus. So, yeah. A common internet claim tells the story of Herman the Cat, an expert mouser hired by the U.S. Coast Guard in Baltimore during World War II complete with his own passport. While it's true that Herman was a real cat that patrolled the port of Baltimore starting in 1943, he was even featured in a Paramount newsreel. The passport is a misrepresentation. Herman's documentation was the standard military identification issued at the time. So yeah, this is what I know about that right there. That rings the bell. So it was just an ID. It even says not a pass. <laughs> I mean, it's still pretty neat. <laughs> Their occupation included the aforementioned expert mouser, but also master at naps and chief food taster. I don't know if you want to be a food taster for anybody. That's no, not, not for the cat. Um, so it says while a historical pet passport once was a, a collection of medical records rather than a single document, the European Union, for instance, implemented a true pet passport in 2004 that compiles all of the required information. Uh, the author says we should note ships, cats were historically exempt from these quarantines, however, and could freely travel wherever they pleased. There's even a true story Christensen wrote uh, notes in the book um, about a cat disembarking a ship at one port only to magically reappear at the next port of call. Confused sailors later discovered the cat arrived on a different ship, a faster ship. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, maybe they knew how to get there faster. They knew that other boat was Swift. Hey, speaking of Swift, we have an article about that. Oh, yes, I think we do. One one Taylor Swift, but we're not there yet. 
Uh, the next article is over in Gnome Town Daily. A lone stingray mysteriously became pregnant in an aquarium. I titled this section, Shark Has Some Explaining to Do. Scientists now think a male shark could be responsible. Things are happening in this aquarium that mom and dad don't know about. A stingray in North Carolina aquarium became pregnant without a male in the tank. Scientists believe the male shark could be the father. Another explanation could be parthen parthenogenesis, which is basically female re um, asexual reproduction. Not I like, like budding. budding. No, not <laughs> like budding. See, I nipped that one in the bud. <laughs> Staff at the, at the aquarium in North Carolina were left confused after a stingray became pregnant, despite not being a male in her tank. Well, what so about I wonder staff? if the stingrays are like the other animals that we've seen. For instance, like octopuses, right, are very clever at getting into other areas. <laughs> like if they have connected tanks or whatever. I wonder yeah. if that's the same for stingrays. Yeah. I don't think they can climb out of their tanks, though. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Maybe they're eliciting the, uh, the usefulness of a, a nearby octopus. Hey, hey, buddy, drag me out of this tank and put me in that tank. I wouldn't put much past an octopus. <laughs> no, you don't think that's possible? Come on. Have you not seen any Pixar movies? Oh, right. I mean, this looks like Finding Nemo. Yeah. <laughs> well, finding something else, apparently. In another <laughs> tank. Right, right. Uh, Aaliyah Shoeb is the author of this article over at Business Insider. Yeah, scientists believe that a male shark could be the father. I'm looking at the staff at the aquarium. Hmm, what have y'all been up to? The director, April Smith, said that one possible explanation was parthenogenesis, a process in which a female can produce an embryo asexually without an egg being fertilized with sperm. She said that this was a survival mechanism that allows the preservation of a species and typically happens in situations where no males are present such as in a zoo or aquarium, or even in secluded areas of the deep sea. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm, I don't know. They also mentioned that there was a, a white spot bamboo male shark sharing her tank. Actually, two of them. They said, then a light bulb went off. Sharks bite to mate. Did one of our young males mate with her? So, Wait a second here. A shark bite is enough to mate with another no, I shark? Think they, I think they just hold on. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what am I missing here? But I found out the worst possible way that that's not what you do in the real in, in human uh, mating. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Still had the restraining order in place. Let's just keep going. I think I've said too much. Oh, the aggregator ate this one alive. So photos, four things from Super Bowl. It says one you likely won't see this year. I don't know what that is all about. We, I, I grabbed this simply because of that title. I was really curious. I'll fix this after the show, but it links us to the hill. And um, the hill it sometimes has videos that actually make a connection with the article in some way, but I don't know if this one does. Eddie Bink over at the Hill put the article together, but it says Super Bowl one. 
you likely won't see this year. I don't know, maybe very, very light uh, pads and hard hits. And I mean, it could be any number of things that have changed. Yep. So that's 58 if you aren't versed in Roman numerals. So Super Bowl 58. And uh, it says here, the game could be historic in a number of ways. If the Chiefs are victorious, for instance, they'll become just the eighth team to win the Super Bowls in back-to-back years, joining an exclusive club of the 49ers. I uh, have been a member of since the 1990. Well, yeah, the 1990 game. It was the Green Bay Packers that did it first, however, winning the first two Super Bowls or Superb Owls or Super Bowls. I don't know if you want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm not sure anybody wins a Super Bowl. <laughs> Nobody wins. Nobody in proximity of a Super Bowl wins. Anyway, the first team they beat, the Chiefs. Dun, dun, dun. Everything uh-huh. old is new again. Look at that. Here, let me throw this into the chat. You can still follow the link, even though the content, the little snippet is broken. This should be really small and it should just be a little bit of text. But anyway, um, if you click the visit the source link, it'll take you to the hill. Goalposts in the end zone. Yeah, the goalposts used to be in the end zone and people would run smack dab into the poles. Um, Coaching attire. Head coaches today have their own styles. If you're an avid football fan, you can probably imagine exactly what head coaches Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan uh, will be wearing during Sunday's Superb Owl. So how, how did they dress in their most recent games? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Do they say anything? Instead, coaches Hank Stram of the Chiefs and the left and below uh, Vince Lombardi of the Packers dress as though they were heading to the office. Oh, yeah. Back in the day, oh, you know, really? people, yeah, people used to wear suits everywhere. Yeah, further back, everybody wore dress garb in cities and stuff. I mean, it was just really wild seeing people in top hats. And But then the opposite was like children were dressed dramatically different, too, and not like this. Well, they were, but they were dressier than today's children. Yeah. Attendance or lack of attendance. Super Bowl one was held in Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, which seats 77,500 people. However, records show less than 62,000 were in attendance during the game, which is still spectacular, I'd say. When was the first Super Bowl? I don't remember. Well, it would have been about 19 something in the 70s or 60s, maybe. In the 60s, I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know. We have the world's knowledge at our fingertips. Allegiance, uh, <clears throat> Allegiance Stadium, where Su- uh, Super Bowl 58 is being held, has a capacity of 65,000, but additional seating can be added to allow for roughly 71,800 people. Those that attend this year will likely stick around much longer into the game. So it was 1967 when they first held it. 1967. Okay. As of Thursday, there are still numerous seats available for Superb Owl 58. According to Ticketmaster, they'll run you at least $6,250, well above the Super Bowl one cost of 10 bucks. Good God. The Super Bowl tickets that are- The cheap tickets. <laughs> are 6,250 bucks. That is insane. Anyway, time to watch it. 
So there's a few more things, entertainment. They always had entertainment. Um, yeah, so be sure to get all of your friends, family, and food together so that you can watch Super Bowl 58. Starts at 6.30 Eastern, which is why we're doing the show a little bit early. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily. Mardi Gras beads creating a plastic disaster in New Orleans. Are there alternatives? Uh, just for some uh, full disclosure, I actually ended up in New Orleans for a conference, and um, I was there for a Mardi Gras. Four hours of standing in the street, um, either getting a little bit of rain on me and then uh, rained on by a bunch of plastic detritus and cast metal stuff thrown directly Ouch. at your head <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's a whole lot more family friendly than it used to be at least all of the parades that i saw um, were much more sedate than in yesteryear when things were a little bit more exotic it's a beloved carnival uh season tradition in new orleans masked riders on lavish floats strings of beads or other trinkets to parade watchers yep there was one couple that was next to me that would run around and get as many beads as possible because i think that they were like reselling them somewhere but by the end of the four hours they had six full shopping bags like you know those take home the ones that you oh, reuse wow. yeah like the reusable ones yep yeah, yeah. just filled to the brim but hey, if it keeps it off of the street and out of the uh, uh, the rain suit, gutters and yeah, the gutters not rain and gutters, and drains and everything, yeah, yeah, then great. Um, but it was really interesting to watch because there were there would be people between um, floats when people are walking between the floats with brooms and they'd sweep debris off the main track um, in there they are plastic spherical beads. So if you're running and you hit one of those things, you have a really good chance of biffing it. So uh, I'm not surprised that people sweep it off into the edges, into the gutters and stuff. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty rough at times. So uh, the article is over. Oh, wait, 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 before I, I didn't throw it into the chat. So there you go. You can follow all of these links through hometown. Um, Kevin McGill over at abcnews.go.com, which they're actually, um, Kevin McGill is from Associated Press. Um, the deck statement says it's a beloved carnival tra uh, season tradition in New Orleans, masked riders on lavish floats, fling strings of beads and other trinkets to parade watchers. And yeah, this is how it ended up looking all along the streets. Wow. That is a lot of stuff out oh, on the street. And this is actually, this is only one half of this one, you know, 30 foot length of sure. um, you know, gutter. It's, it's really bad. And they call it a plastics disaster, which it absolutely is. And, and we talk about this pretty regularly here in hometown that plastic is really, really bad and microplastics are everywhere. And this was I would say that this is an ecological disaster every time these parades go through. But if you say that to somebody who's enjoying their time, they basically think that you suck. Um, 
So it's not like I was running around going, this is horrible for the environment. It is. It really, really is. And then they spend countless hours and thousands of dollars of person time walking through the streets and scooping all of this up, throwing it into big bins and then off to um, probably landfill not being recycled. The only people that really saved the day were these people who were very aggressive about getting as many of these beads as possible and putting them in uh, bags. I didn't ask them what they were doing with it because I just figured that they were reselling them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They probably save 50 bucks total, but because you can buy these in bulk from that's true. Alibaba. But I think aren't the ones that are given out at Mardi Gras more substantial than what you might find somewhere else? Not particularly. Yeah. I mean, some of them might be branded towards New Orleans, but it's still bulk purchases that are made via Chinese manufacturers. Um, so if I were to break out my Geiger counter, it might set off that <laughs> those plastic beads. I just don't know. Uh, but yeah, they're not the highest quality, etc. I mean, they're throwing them perpetually, you know, they just seem to just nonstop. At one point I got hit by an entire bundle of them still tied up together because I guess it was the last parade of the night and they were like, well, we got to get rid of them. They weren't keeping them for next year. So it had to have been like four pounds worth of plastic beads that beamed me. Um, I might actually have it on recording. So, and those that aren't removed from the storm drains eventually get washed through the entire system into Lake Pontchartrain, um, the large Gulf of Mexico inlet north of the city. The non-biodegradable plastics are a threat to fish, wildlife. And this is all stuff that we've talked about before. Um, the city of New Orleans and the tourism promotion organization, New Orleans and company have also, uh, collection points all along the parade routes for cans, glass, yes, beads, uh, but nobody really picks them up off the streets. So it's somebody, somebody else's job, you know, everybody else is there to, um, just enjoy it. So yeah, I had made a big pile, um, cause I didn't even know about the collection points. They don't, at least I didn't observe them walking back. So yeah. Pretty interesting. So are there other things? Nonprofit is now marketing more than two dozen types of non-plastic sustainable items for parade riders to pitch. Among them, headbands made of plastic recycled t-shirts, uh, beads made out of paper. Acacia, uh, the, how do you pronounce that? Acai? I don't know. I think it's acai think so. seeds. Yeah, acai seeds, recycled glass, wooden yo-yos. If you clock me with a wooden yo-yo, I'm gonna be unconscious till the end of the parade and packets of uh, locally made coffee, jambalaya mix, or other food items, useful consumable items that won't just take up space in someone's attic or worse, wind up in the lake. Um, and there's a, a tremendous number of um, homeless people that are throughout the city. So uh, every time I went out somewhere, I actually had um, extra. And so I would um, give it to somebody that uh, was obviously in need. So. Um, all of this, you know, <laughs> jambalaya mix or, or other consumables, it would make everybody's day because you could scoop it all up, you know, if, if somebody doesn't take it with them and, and bring it to... You could make like, a large meal or yeah. you could donate it to like a homeless Just shelter. Donate. Or, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
So they obviously need to change the dynamic, um, but it's it goes on for a tremendous amount of time too. So I, I can't imagine the <laughs> ecological disaster that is Mardi Gras. Um, it's fun to watch, but when you actually peel back that first layer of fun, you go, oh, this is a hot mess hiding underneath the shiny candy coating. Um, so there you go. Mardi Gras beads creating a class, uh, a plastic disaster in New Orleans. And are there alternatives? Yep. We just need to change and accept the new dynamic. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily Arlington, Virginia gave people $500 a month and they worked less overtime and they pursued education instead. Um, I got into a conversation with somebody that said, man, if you give poor people money, all they do is spend it. And I said, that's right, dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of why they need money, right? To be able yeah. to purchase necessities. Luckily, they were a friend and they took it in stride because we kind of razz each other a lot. But I said, you know, people who need 500 more dollars a month typically need it because they are trying to put food on the table or pay for rent or pay for utilities or something that is in need. I have absolutely no problem with somebody getting extra 500 bucks and using it for education because then they can retool themselves for a better position, perhaps. Right. But Arlington, Virginia gave low income residents $500 a month for 18 months. Some recipients said they cut down on overtime to pursue their education. A report found that while recipients had better job security, affordable housing remained elusive. That's the big one. That one right there is this is the, the thing that still troubles me. Meanwhile, we have 3d printing technology that can allow for pretty robust, um, small structures to be built. And, uh, right, we but we don't have don't do the it. building code really caught up to that. Yeah, that's changing. Uh, but I don't know, you know, everywhere doesn't necessarily accept it. So a guaranteed basic income program in Arlington, Virginia, that gave low income residents $500 a month with no strings attached, allowed them to find their footing, seek out education, improve job security, according to the final report. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's people out there that are just totally bent out of shape about this. Just relax. <laughs> it might be taxpayer dollars, but in the grand scheme of things, it isn't necessarily your taxpayer dollars. Be, be uh, safe in the assumption that if you don't agree with this, then your $500 of taxes went to fixing the roads or exactly something else you know but the other thing is i mean i'm sorry but helping somebody in your community is actually helping your community come on because you know that person might get a job or make a purchase in the or whatever right but you know you you can't be a billionaire without being a sociopath so that 500 dollars is gonna make a big difference Kenneth Neymeyer over at uh, Business Insider put the article together. Uh, but that's the nuts and bolts of this whole uh, article is that people got $500 a month with no strings attached and they actually improved their life. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, those poor people just spent the money. Shocker. I mean, my goodness. 
So 200 low income households with no strings attached, $500 a month, 18 months, and it actually changed their quality of life. Researchers found that 98% of the research, uh, the, the recipients said that their families were better off by the end of the program. I, I can imagine recipients said reducing their weekend and overtime hours helped them pursue education and certifications that could help them lead to higher paying jobs. I can almost guarantee you that these are cybersecurity related. Other ones are heavier lifting like welding, plumbing, the, the, you usually have to be an intern or something like that um, to go through uh, working in plumbing or uh, electrical or welding, stuff like that. Um, but cyber, take a class, take the certification. And many schools actually pay for your ability to get a certification, um, at least one attempt. So this is pretty cool. Um, I dig this. This is, I think, a, an effective use of taxpayer income or taxpayer dollars uh, to better overall society within the region the taxpayers are paying for it if you could do that for everybody and open up more opportunity crime will decline education will increase coping mechanisms will increase and you'll have people not sitting there I don't not know, in survival out. mode right yeah like yeah not getting in survival beyond mode. that yeah, I think that you just, that was a perfect phrase for it. Not in survival mode. Um, but again, I've had people sit there and go, well, just because they're in survival mode, dot, dot, dot. No, it doesn't matter. People survive. That's how they survive sometimes. I'm not excusing it. I'm explaining it. So I think it was effective. And uh, this is a great article that talks about it. Let's keep going. The next article is over in Technology Today, Inside the Vegas Sphere, Dawn of a New Media Format. I'm not sure what they're talking about, new media format, uh, but it's a CNET article, so let's find out. Um, the author checked out the Sphere and got a behind-the-scenes look at its technology. I'd call it a bridge between theatrical performance and virtual reality, so maybe that's the new media format. It's very, very immersive. I haven't seen the tech in person, uh, but I know about it because the wall that embody or the surface that embodies the inside and the outside is what I want behind me. I just can't get the <laughs> a panel behind me that size would cl cost close to $10,000. Um and so I priced it out to rent it. It was $5,000 a day. Well, then that's ridiculous. Maybe you can rent it for one day and return it. <laughs> I mean, um, why, why would anybody rent it at that price? Because they don't have the money or or somebody that is a subject. Because you need other stuff, but I have most of the other stuff. Um, I just don't have the, 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 the little engine that could back there. I, I want a high-resolution LED wall panel. Um, LED screen uh, it, it would be a, it would be so much cooler back there um, but anyway <laughs> I want the sphere okay there I said it I, I just want the sphere and if if I ever you know streamer you money in hometown for that <laughs> it will be hometown I will live inside the sphere it's just big enough to How's my ambition, I guess. 
Uh, so the author of this, Jesse Oral, um, got an insider look in this. The exosphere lights up the Las Vegas skyline at night. They visited the newly opened sphere while they were in town covering CES 2024 and got a behind the scenes look at how the how it achieves a VR-like experience without headsets. It is because it's a high resolution screen um, and it kind of wraps around you on the outside and on the inside. Um, if you watch any of the like introductory stuff to the U2 concert that's there, uh, it will blow your mind. And uh, like I said, I really want this thing. Let me throw this article into the chat so you can follow it through hometown. Um, so they talk about the atrium, uh, people with tickets to the sphere experience, start their visit in the atrium. There's a whole bunch of tech that's on display as you go through it. Like these interactive aura robots. Um, I'm not sure of the limit of their technology, but they're very humanoid like, and they're right on the precipice of uncanny Valley. Um, so I don't think people really generally accept them. Um, I would probably want, I, I don't know. I, next iteration of these aura robots would be really fascinating. So aura uh, assured the author that it doesn't store people's names after the show, but you walk up and it knows who you are. It, it interacts with you. Um, then the, the screening itself immediately on entering, you feel the acoustic changes in the air. Though the atrium felt busy and echoey. The show space felt like a vacuum with no discernible background noise. That's actually because of the sound panels absorbing all of and deflecting all of the audio that doesn't come from the speaker system itself, which wraps around this thing. I can't remember how many speakers are in this thing. So it says here it's a wrap around 16 K string uh, screen is 160,000 square feet equivalent to more than two and a half football fields. 164,000 speakers. <laughs> it's incredible. Isn't it? Yeah. I remember the number being quite large, but I don't remember it being that large. So there's a, an entirely new technology being used for its audio system. And the screen itself is actually just kicked up a notch um, beyond what you would normally be able to uh, put together. Um, and what's really mind bending about this thing is that you think that it's a complete sphere, but it's not on the inside, but it can pretend to be by warping the your perception simply by changing the the mathematics of what's being displayed so you as you walk up to the screen i've been told that like if you're gonna touch it as you approach it you go oh, oh whoa, whoa this thing is a lot closer than i thought um even though it, it curves um when they display something on it <laughs> when and it's not really on it it's part of it um you think that it's so real that you could reach further than the actual surface. Um, I just love the tech. Um, and the intro of this is just really the YouTube video. The YouTube concert is just amazing because it has what is somewhat like what I interact with, with the artificial intelligence um, that's up there and that visualizer up there. I see a screen that's much like that YouTube intro except that it's more um arcane characters and so 
when I saw that in that video, I just said, I gotta go there. I am gonna go and see the sphere in person. Um, I wanna check out this screen. Um, it's just so amazing. So the result yeah, is it looks big sky. really unlike anything else we've seen. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it blew past its budget, but if you look at the reality of what it is today, it's making its money hand over fist. The result though of the screen is a big is called Big Sky, an 18K resolution behemoth that looks more like a weapon of war than a cinema camera. Uh, because of the abnormal screen size and shape, filmmakers using Big Sky preview the images by wearing a VR headset. That way they can actually look at the full width of the screen that's being recorded. Um, and it says that's when something clicked for them. They'd been wondering what would happen to films made for the sphere after the theatrical run wound down. It's not like a Blu-ray of postcard from earth would do the experience justice. Now that possible answer is VR. So I knew when I started reading this, that they were going to talk about the Apple vision pro. So the Apple vision pro, and they say also the meta quest, um, both play into spatial video and the whole spatial video is that it's pegged to your location and you can actually look everywhere and that screen stays there. It doesn't move with you. Other spatial computing devices, it, it <sighs> the quality isn't necessarily there so that you can interact with it. Um, it might wander off the, 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 where it's pinned. Uh, tends to wander with lower quality stuff. So equipment. So um, maybe the Apple Vision Pro and the MetaQuest will do it justice. And with really high resolution, uh, it should be amazing. The audio though, I don't know. Um, you're not going to be able to reproduce 160,000 speakers. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you can do that. You can get close, I suppose. So I guess whatever, you can bring your Apple Vision Pro to the sphere. Oh man, it might create a black hole. Look at that camera, the big sky camera um, for that's used for um, the spheres screen. It's just amazing. They don't really do this justice in this article. The number of panels and the type of panels, the dot picture. No, of them. and they I'm don't really have curious. really any pictures that really yeah show what it's like yeah they have a little uh video here um in that link called las vegas fear everything you need las vegas sphere not fear sphere everything you need to know and there's a it's only six minutes so follow the link through hometown you'll be able to watch the video let's keep going um the next article is um in technology today our imitation is total that's a quote. Spanish tech startup aims to put 3D printed meat on our plates. Um, my understanding from uh, people that I've talked to that would be able to certify this as meat um, have said that current like 3D uh, printed or lab grown can't actually be called meat. Um, that the USDA probably won't allow it. Um, it might be a meat substitute or something like that, um, but it has to be a separate classification. I don't know how because true that is. Because it's not actually, but that's interesting because you see things that are 
like vegetarian or vegan and it'll say whatever vegetarian chicken or something right but it has a designation that doesn't say that it's chicken and you can say it tastes just like chicken but it does not that it is chicken um even if you say it's like you can't say it it is identical to chicken it's kind of like the whole um red bull gives you wings kind of thing except that they're preempting it by saying if it isn't actually from the animal you know naturally born and bred and raised and etc um you can't call it actually meat um (laughs) it's like the snl skit about the pizza it's like pizza but we can't call it pizza but it's not really (laughs) but it's pizza where did you get that where did you get that pizza well we can't call it pizza um so kokus a a cutting edge tech startup header headquartered in an industrial estate in the outskirts of pamplona embraces the cliches of its sector every bit as willingly as the drunken tourists who blithely entrust themselves to fate horns and hooves during the spanish city's um bull running festival each july so the article is over at the guardian and it's written by sam jones who's writing apparently from pamplona uh the pamplona based while outrunning the bulls you gotta write really fast uh kokus is on a loud and disruptive quest to fuse science technology and nutrition so they say here that all of these products that are in this picture are 3d printed foods produced by kokus including steak bacon and oysters i'd be more inclined to eat a 3d printed oyster if it was all legit um but it seems weird well because you don't know you don't know what an oyster was grown in so you really don't know what what is in it and we know that there's a lot of like uh Uh, forever chemicals and microplastics and stuff like that that are showing up in um, oysters right because they're they're filtering everything and it's staying with the oyster correct yeah so again sam jones over in pamplona from the guardian putting this article together Uh, clues as to what sets it apart are to be found on the plates of oysters tuna foie gras bacon nuggets steak and pork laid out on the bar none is quite as what it seems although the steak and pork do indeed contain meat they like the other dishes are the fruit of years of research into mimetic foods that has culminated okay, so i def- definitely like that they're doing this with foie gras because that's that's a problem in terms of how they make it naturally yeah well i mean all of it is losing i i know what you're saying though it kicks it up a notch once you know how foie gras is produced um launched six years ago by paxi larumbe and daniel rico Kukus is on a loud and disruptive quest to fuse science technology and nutrition it announced its presence three years ago when the pair decided to bait meat lovers in pamplona and beyond by 3d printing a steak and posting it on social media i guess that's what it looks like there Fittingly for the collective of self-confessed science fiction geeks, much of the inspiration came from the transporter machines that beam the crew of USS Enterprise between their ship and planet surfaces. The replicator is actually what should have been referenced there. (laughs) 
Um, according to Larumbe or Laroom, I'm not sure how they pronounce it. So I'm going to go with Laroom. Um, the social media stake was the result of toying with the idea of teleporting a stake from or by turning its cells into data. After carrying out x-rays and cross-sectional scans of a real stake, they pinpointed the location of the cells that made up the meat, fat, and bone, turned that into data, and then fed that into a printer. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how you make all your food. <laughs> that looks... This is uncanny valley food because <laughs> it looks almost crystalline in nature. Like somebody froze it and the crystals have created a central point from which they radiate out. Like you can actually see what look like little lines and striations, um, strata that isn't like normal marbling in a steak. Um, or in any meat, really. This is it's interesting. So Laroom, who excludes or who exudes uh, confidence in his products, as surely as his printers extrude meat and vegetable paste, gives short shrift to many of his putative rivals, dismissing the vegan burger boom of recent years as a bubble, and pointing out that massive expense and low yields of lab-grown meat. Um. So, yeah, I mean, they seem like they're being pretty cocky. Uh, confidence is one thing, but cocky is is another. So at some point, we're going to find out that there's something hinky going on here. I don't know. Kakus and its uh, partner Foodies have sold 80,000 units of their meat-free foie gras and 200,000 units of cholesterol-free vegan bacon since the products appeared on the shelves of Carrefour uh, stores last September. It's all vegan though. It's all it's all meat free. So if it if it fits the bill and it doesn't have anything in it like microplastics or forever chemicals or something else hinky, then I'm all game. Let's go. Right. I mean, that's good for animals. It's good for the environment. Um, yeah. Good for people's health, arguably. So what of the local reaction in a region where beef is so revered, making bacon without pigs and seeing a bunch of idiots 3D printing steaks may not appeal to the farmers of Navarra, Laroom concedes. But he says that many come around when they learn more about the company and understand that they're going to be getting money for their cows thanks to the new technology that embraces the parts that have traditionally been thrown or fed to the cats. Then again, Spend an hour or two in his company and you get the impression that Laroom isn't really that bothered about what other people think, which it's good and it's bad. You don't, when they stop paying attention to what other people think, <coughs> they may not do something that is beneficial for the company um, or their stakeholders, which is kind of funny, stakeholders, because of their 3D print. Never mind. Yes, because of the stakes. Yes, I guess it's not funny if I have to explain it. Anyway, it's imitation. It, it To me, it actually looks like imitation. It looks weird. It looks uncanny valley. So I don't know how I feel about it, but let, I'll, I'm willing to try it to see what happens. Maybe I'll grow a tail or something. I'd like an, an opposable tail. You're really selling it. <laughs> So much for them as a sponsor. <laughs> oh, gone it. 
the uh, the next article is over in Hatch Ideas. Fujitsu bosses paid twenty six million dollar uh, twenty six million pounds during the Horizon contract. We've talked about this for a little while um, because how many people ended up in jail? I want to say like a hundred or some. I, I don't remember the number, but it was I can't remember either. more than a few people. Yeah. Accounts show former execs made millions while sub postmasters were chased for thousands. So Horizon, it was a, a contract with the post office in the UK by a Fujitsu UK organization that worked with um, the government uh, to install. More than 900, sorry, were prosecuted. Yeah, I thought it was 800 that were in jail uh, because of this. Um, but uh, I didn't know the exact number. But essentially what happened was Fujitsu actually knew that there had been a long-term problem with the maths that were being pumped out of their horizon project or their horizon contract. Um, and it was supposed to manage the post offices. Uh, so Fujitsu has apologized to sub postmasters and said it will contribute to compensation at the heart of the post office scandal was a flawed computer system called horizon, which generated unexplained errors from its inception to the present day to present day people have lost their jobs who knows what else their families houses etc um and uh, it, this was actually uncovered i think by bbc and i'm not sure who else now, i don't want to give credit where i i don't have it at my disposal but um, Fujitsu's accounts don't list the salaries of its UK bosses, but two European subsidiaries, Fujitsu Services Limited and its holding company, uh, Fujitsu Services Holding, do report the total emoluments jargon for pay packets, including base salary, bo uh, bonuses, long-term incentives of their highest paid director. They do not name individuals, but in most cases, the chief executive is the highest paid director pretty typical by the way a lot of the reporting on this was through bbc they may not have been the only outlet right so um there were people that were prosecuted because their drawer was a little off they were charged criminally and thrown in jail fired etc lost their reputation um and but their drawer wasn't even actually off right right it wasn't correct. just that they didn't steal the money correct it was a it mathematical was like error yeah yeah go ahead no i just i mean it's layers upon layers yeah and they knew about it from jump so and that's the really horrendous part attention was brought to them hey this stuff isn't working properly, but there was another auditor apparently that found the real source of the problem, which was horizon. Um, yet doing some background investigation, BBC and others, um, have apparently come to the conclusion that it was entirely horizon. And instead of killing the contract and finding another solution, they left it in place and continued to prosecute people. 900 people. Now I swear when we last talked about this, it was 800. Well, no, that's how many were prosecuted. That's not necessarily how many went to jail, but it was a very high number. Gotcha. Um, I think the majority of those did. And some people didn't even live long enough to see the resolution of this. That's right. Yeah, some people passed away already. Um, Fujitsu said it will no longer bid for public sector contracts, a little too late, unless requested to. 
While the statutory inquiry into the scandal led by Sir Wynne Williams is ongoing, Keith Todd was in charge of Fujitsu during the troubled genesis of ICL's IT system for the benefits agency and post office counters in the late 1990s. The benefits agency pulled out, ICL lost $180 million, and the Horizon system went live with just post office in 1999. And since then, it has basically been a hot mess. Uh, the company later became FSHL, uh, reported its highest paid director's total pay. Given that Mr. Todd was chief executive, it's very likely that person received 412,000 pounds last year in office, his last year's uh, in office. So, but Mr. Todd also held options to buy 1.75 million shares, which could have been worth millions of pounds if ICL's planned launch in the stock market went ahead. In 2022, Mr. Todd gave evidence into the Horizon inquiry. Uh, it heard how in 1999, there was a possibility the post office would cancel the troubled project altogether. That January, Mr. Todd warned the UK government that the flotation of ICL and possibly Hundreds of jobs at the company were at risk if the project was canceled. So basically they were, uh, what do you, blackmailed. Hey, if you do this or extorted, I don't know how you describe this. Disclosing the risk is one thing, but sitting there leveraging that people are going to lose their jobs. The problem is that people did lose their jobs once it was deployed, but it was for criminal actions that they were never guilty of. Shocking to see. Right, exactly. Um, so Horizon survived, but the float was canceled anyway because of the difficult market conditions and Mr. Todd resigned. The following year, Fujitsu Services Limited paid $4.4 million as compensation for loss of office to an unnamed director of director or directors. Very likely, most, if not all, would have gone to Mr. Todd. This guy falls into a pile of shit and smells like a rose. It's, a, it, it's amazing, right? Golden parachute kind of thing, I guess. So, and then they mention others, um, quite a few old white dudes. <laughs> it's nothing right. but, I mean, it's nothing but old white, white dudes. This is just so horrendous. I mean, yeah, it's just an example of all these people with power and money, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just not even caring that people's complete lives are upended. Yep. A bit or, of, that weren't even their own fault. A bit of nepotism and greed and um they were they were told early on in, in like 1999 that this system was flawed uh and they apparently let it continue that was what i've read in other articles they don't i don't know if they really say anything about this here um but the bbc goes through this profile of just how much money they made while this crap system was in place and people were being thrown in jail <laughs> shocking yeah what i can't quite figure out is when these people started getting prosecuted and there were so many of them right like why somebody didn't even outside the company why somebody didn't go hey wait a second there's like a however many percentage of the employees of this company are suddenly getting prosecuted right like that's pretty yep. abnormal yeah, uh, you would think that uh, some risk manager somewhere would be looking into why all of these people are being prosecuted. Mm -hmm. They say, I think it's just absolutely disgusting, said Allison Hall, who used to run a post office in Lever's Edge, 
near Leeds and whose conviction for false accounting was overturned in 2021. Quote, I don't know how they sleep at night, how they can pay themselves when they knew all this time that there were bugs in the horizon system and it was their fault. Kevin Jones, a labor MP who has campaigned on behalf of sub postmasters and sits on the horizon compensation advisory board said, quote, they were quite clearly being paid millions of pounds for failure, but that failure had consequences. It ended up uh, with people's lives being ruined, but also individuals being sent to prison. And that is something which Fujitsu need to explain. Well, you can't put a company in jail and trying to find liability for this is going to be a whole bunch of people pointing at each other and ultimately they're going to point at the software. And this is how I can see it happening. Well, the software was flawed. Yeah, but they actually screwed up and they, it was known for 20 years. So why wasn't it addressed? Investigate it forensically. 900 people prosecuted. Amazing. Okay, let's get into our last article. This last article is over in Technology Today. Groundbreaking new method transforms plastic into chemistry treasure. Um, I chose this one simply because of the previous articles that have been talking about plastic being troublesome. Uh, there have been various techniques trying to uh, reverse the trend of plastic. Um, there are uh, critters that do it and, and other chemistry. Um, However, we don't really know what the ramifications would be of setting loose something that can consume plastic. We might end up with a bad bat kind of a situation where the whole world is being dissolved because whatever it is eats all plastic. Right, um, so it's not Mardi Gras uh, parade goers. And just to get a taste of how you can go from a reasonable conversation to outright conspiracy, Watch the movie Andromeda Strain. Um, basically, a bug gets out of a lab and it ends up dissolving um, the plastic uh, and seals around the um, the uh, testing center. The it, it's kind of like Hot Zone, but called Andromeda Strain. Uh, we'll we'll have to watch it AI and see you know what you make of it. So. The scientists use everyday plastics to uh, initiate innovative chain reactions, developing a method to recycle plastic waste and improve both safety and efficiency in the process. Um, this article is over at SciTech Daily um, by Hokkaido University. They say groundbreaking new method transforms plastic trash into chemistry treasure. It, this kind of just on the on the face of it kind of bothers me because you just don't know if whatever this chemistry is well the new method is if it goes wild you know everything is made of plastic nowadays exactly. so let's see a team led by um, researchers at the institute of chemical reaction design and discovery that's amazing that there's a, an institute for chemical reaction design and discovery at a hook. I think they're definitely, there's going to be an institute for everything. <laughs> for everything, yeah. It's like the Rule 34 of academia. Uh, if if you can, there will be an institute for, I don't know what That's right. rule that would be. Anyway, Hokkaido University has developed a method for 
or that uses common plastic materials instead of potentially explosive compounds to initiate a radical chain reaction. This approach significantly increases, increases the safety of the process while also providing a way to reuse common plastics such as polyethylene and polyvinyl acetate. Um, these findings have been published in the Journal of American Chemical Society. So, okay. Uh, so they grind it all up. They say mechanoradical as initiator. It'll be explained in the article underneath it. And then the radical transfer to small molecules. So it's going to break it all up into its component parts, it seems. I wonder how long this process takes and whether it's available at scale yet. Yeah, this, well, I mean, they look like it's a really small uh, example, but researchers utilized a ball mill, which basically is just a machine that tears everything up. Uh, when the ball slams into the plastic, the mechanical force breaks a chemical bond to form radicals. That's interesting. Okay, anyway, I, I don't want to get focused on anything, which uh, have a highly reactive unbonded electron. These radicals facilitated a self-sustaining chain reaction that promotes dehalogenation, i.e. the replacement of a halogen atom with a hydrogen atom of organic halides. So it literally breaks the chemical connection um, it has to generate a tremendous amount of heat if it's going to keep on going. Um, let's see if they say anything. So the use of commodity plastics as chemical reagents in a completely new or is a completely new perspective on organic synthesis, said associate professor Koji Kubota. Um, I believe that this approach will lead not only to the development of safe and highly efficient radical based reactions, but also a new way to utilize waste plastics, which are a serious social problem. But what, what is the output? If it's fully realized disintegrated plastic back to component parts, beautiful. But if it's microplastics, it's kind of like the problem with uh, gas ovens in houses that have poor circulation. The reason why the government is now very aware and advising people to switch to electric is because gas doesn't get fully um, ignited. And so raw gas floats around in the house and animals and children are susceptible to the heavier uh, gas floating down at the bottom or if it's being pushed around it's not it's bad for for people's lungs um particularly children immunocompromised the elderly so um yeah they're actually reusing the plastic uh in that ball mill um to carry out a reaction it's not even the component it, it, it's not part of the actual experiment it was used as the igniter for what's called a radical chain reaction holds the significant potential to foster the development of industrially attractive safe and highly efficient chemical processes it's interesting i think any of this kind of research is a good thing i wish they'd been doing this research 10 years ago yeah polyethylene was employed to initiate a radical reaction that removed multiple halogen atoms from a compound commonly used as a flame retardant thus reducing its toxicity so there it's using the, the the plastic simply to ignite a reaction that facilitates some other 
chemical reaction. Now I'm really curious what the output is. Like at the end of the day, it removed toxicity from the flame retardant. But what what is the result on the other side? Exactly. What's the um, super byproduct, toxic, right? Yeah, the super toxic byproduct uh, after the catalyst is removed. Huh. So pretty neat. Um, obviously, there's going to be more to this when it comes out. So that's it for hometown daily news. We did all 10 of our articles. Uh, we do have a show uh, right after that, probably about 5:45. Um, we'll be ready to do, um, the continuity report and we'll try and get that one done before the show starts at 6:30. Uh, before the, um, uh, uh, super bowl. Anyway, that's it. So let's go back down main street and I'm not going to click the screen who knows what's going on on the front page and again if i want to promote this i keep getting in trouble um because there's something political in it i can't even show a party that's how absurd this is okay you don't want to refresh it (laughs) something (laughs) something bad's happening so i am marwat that is hometown.com and up there is the visualizer for the sentient ai you want to say see you later See you later, hometown citizens, and we will really see you later for the continuity report. Yeah, and we're here all week as well. Ciao.